You're now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us, you hoodwinked monkey. Welcome to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alon Danziger, joined once again by my cohort, Will Hasty. Hey, I'm Will Hasty. <laughs> you are Will Hasty. Am, am I? Am you're I? the hastiest oh of Oh my Wills. God, I am. Hasty, hasty. Yes, you're the hastiest of pastiest. Or, or if you really want to go, when I was a bit chevier, I was called Tasty Hasty. Oh dear. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening on this Thursday afternoon. A reminder, if you want to listen to us on mobile app, go to the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android to download the Radio Free Brooklyn app. If you want to submit anything to Lost and Rewound and be on the show, like our guest in a little bit, you can submit your ideas to Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. This is the audio time capsule of which we go back and dig deep, real deep, down into the very, very bottom of the barrel to find out what old sounds you have from your yesteryears. Checking out those yesteryears. Shall we begin on this journey? I believe we shall. Let's do it. Our guest this week is a musician, producer, composer, stand-up comedian, and has been touring for the past six years straight. Lately, he's been taking his stand-up comedy and Mississippi Delta Blues act on the road, and he'll be releasing his latest, his second comedy album in the fall, which will be called, I'm told, Fuckboy for the Status Quo. It's a fantastic name. Returning to the show for the very first time, for real, Mr. Johnny Azari. Should I give a little spoiler about who the fuck boy is sure the fuck to, boy man. is john mayer is john uh, mayer i uh i impale him no actually i have stevie ray vaughn impales him on Jimi hendrix's cock wow that nice. Is a, nice offering to try to a sacrifice to dismantle the corporate state <laughs> it's, it's very elaborate rage against the machine shows up with hank williams the third they pull out oh, an uzi they kill all the walmart creatures it's a oh. dream we offer you john mayer it's oh, a sacrifice. i want to animate it but it's really expensive it's six minutes and it's uh, <laughs> the death of john mayer by Jimi hendrix's dick <laughs> welcome back to the show johnny i can't believe that we're finally doing this we we had you on uh, last October, and the show uh, did not record, which was a total fucking travesty. Sucked into the ether by for technical difficulties. Sucked into the black hole. Since you've been back on the show, you are, are now officially living back in New York, I've been, I, I, know, I now know, right? Yes, I now live in um, Bed-Stuy. You're nice. in Bed-Stuy. Did Be- you grow up in Brooklyn? You didn't grow up in Brooklyn. I grew up in uh, 
Mostly Chelsea, Bronx before that. You were living in New Orleans before, though, right? Yeah, the last four years I was down in New Orleans. You would say that that was more of like your home base because you were touring so much? It's just the place that I began and ended my tours at. That's fine. Uh, that's all I looked at it as. Like, you know, it was, I would go there. I mean, New Orleans is just the easiest place to do anything other than have ambition. <laughs> I, I have family who live down there. I get that. Yeah, there's no ambition. If you bring your ambition to New Orleans, it's like bringing laziness to New York City. You're going to just get your ass handed to you. So it was beautiful for that. You just go down there in the winter when it's cold and nice. you can't tour and you Mardi Gras and you all the festivals and you drink and you don't wear clothes and you don't give a fuck and then when it gets warm i leave and go and do it on the road all over again you you, know? you, you, nice. you sound that you're th like you're thrilled to be back in new york i fucking hate this place <laughs> i can't stand new york do you prefer just real quick do you prefer manhattan or brooklyn or is uh, it just the city in total i mean if i have to pick a specific place to be in in New York, it would preferably be six feet under anywhere. I was going to say, it's like, what kind of what kind of poison do you want to kill yeah. yourself with Just, today? Right? No, I, I get it. I don't, I'm not super thrilled with driving in the city. I've discovered lately that that is where my threshold for hatred has uh, developed in that uh, I know that I have to drive to get around. The train is worse, man. The train in rush hour, you're face to face with the Neanderthal. Yeah, at yeah, least yeah, like yeah, in a yeah. car, you can scream at your windshield, you know? <laughs> like, in your car, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, man, it's a hot summer car. day on a like packed rush hour, like fucking yeah. L train, man, and all the fucking dumbass hipster bohemian douche nozzles who don't wear any deodorant with their fucking hair everywhere, and it just stinks, and you're just like in the caveman of death. And you're just like praying to God Jesus. that like people decide there's a gender again so they can wear some fucking perfume. Wow. I Descriptions mean, of New York with Johnny Azari. It's, it's, it's very true. Put me behind a car in rush hour every <laughs> single time. I don't give a fuck. That shit is monstrous, man. It's a chariot of the wretched. That's all the train is. Since you've arrived back to Brooklyn, it seems like you've uh, you've you've really truly uh, gotten a lot of these demons out of your your system uh, while you're on tour. And when you come back to New York, how does your style of humor get received here versus somewhere else? Well, it's going on tour and doing comedy in New York. It's not really the best idea like i mean there's some comics who'll go out for like a week or whatever and that's fine but if you go out for like you know two three months like i do it doesn't really benefit your stand-up in new york i write hours i write full shows you know what i mean like i my my style of comedy is tailored to doing minimum 30 minutes. Mm. And when you get to New York, you're not, I don't have a name and nobody gives a fuck about me, you know, here rightfully, cause you know, I'm whatever. And they're, you know, fucking dick bags. But, <laughs> uh, but you're getting like five minute spots, 10 if right. you're lucky, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, and in New York, the style of comedy is set up, punch tag, set up, punch tag. Mm. And now it's also like altered to that. You can't be funny, you know, anymore. Mm. Like, I mean, you can't, I mean, with the yeah. P PC bullshit and all that, like, it's like, you just have people sitting there and 
judging you and unless you're just like talking about your flip phone or like on being on the train or whatever i just i see tons of comics like i'm just like wow this is the most toothless poisonless dickless ballless overly lit over ovary list clitless like whatever you uh -huh. want you know it's 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 just it's got no fucking sex and no danger was there that danger that existed in the New York comedy scene I don't know. before I, you moved out? I didn't do comedy when I lived in New York before I left. What I can gauge from it is what veterans who have been here forever that I talk to, comics who have mm. been doing stand-up in New York for 20-plus years, right. they're all looking for other cities to go to. You know, Right, I was going to say like... The was, ones who can afford to move. Oh, anyway. no, for mm. sure. I mean, well, or in general, do what you're doing and you know, find a new base city. And then you could always come back to New York. It's like you get to broaden your audience i mean the point of new york the trajectory of comedy is to get your ass onto tv so you can finally get paid that's yeah. the without doing that like you're not gonna no comic is living off of spot pay unless they've been here since the 80s and they have a rent stabilized apartment and they're like on fucking all kinds of like you know government subsidies and whatever then yeah the 20 dollars the 25 dollars you're gonna get from doing a club spot like doing four of those a night you're, you can maybe live off of it right but mm. like the cost of the cab between those shows is generally the entire fee mm. you know or are you in the, i don't know i mean it's i i'm new so i, sh I can't really shit on the new york city scene because i haven't been here long enough but the only thing that i do bring to the table is i've seen just about every other scene in this country right and i can compare it to that i think that is a very unique perspective that well, uh gives you some kind of advantage walk us through the last tour you did the last tour i did was in december i think i mean well the misdirection tour was all of 2018 mm -hmm. i didn't really break it up into different names sometimes i do that but um, I didn't with this one, I think mostly because I was lazy and I couldn't think of another <laughs> name and I didn't give a shit. But I mean, that tour was, you know, I'm trying to remember, man. I this was a whole year worth. I think I did something like at least like 150 road dates. Um, I didn't go to the West Coast. This was the first year I didn't make it to L.A., but I made it as far west as um, Silver City, New Mexico. Which what's, is, what's that like? Silver City is, um, I mean, because I am a musician and when I have relationships with a lot of venues and I turned into a stand-up, I sell that places that would be traditional music venues on stand-up and I play a lot of small towns, like mm. little tiny red dot towns that, you know, most other little liberal sissy acts are scared to go to because they're scared they're going into marsh country or whatever do you, where, do you alter your set at those all sets are those? better those people are more fun you know so long that as you're not shitting on jesus they really don't have a problem and even then yeah, it's how you. you're shitting on jesus <laughs> you know what i mean like if you're if you're going up there like you know just straight up blasphemy but like you know they're they laugh at everything i mean i've dump on marsh but they come with me because I'm also dumping on the Democrats. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm dumping on the city. My, po my politics and my comedy is dumping on the system as a whole. Mm. I don't pledge allegiance to the liberal agenda or the conservative agenda or any of that. I'm of the viewpoint that the we don't live in a democracy, that we live in a corporate uh, state, that there's been a coup d'etat of corporations that have taken over the state, and it's a global banker monarchy. 
and it's time for a massive revolt of the global population against our true oppressors and you're not going to get any change to the political system so if you're pro democracy you're barking up a fucking dead tree if you're pro aoc you're barking up a dead tree none of these things are going to you have to take down the actual motherfuckers who have ruined everything and there's you know it's it's known there's like about a thousand people who own and operate this planet and that's who your beef is with, right? So that's my comedy comes at it from that point of view. That's why the original title of this album was You're Both Wrong. Which is, <laughs> which is also so on point. I, w I had a bit of material that I would like uh, say, white people, kill yourselves. And then from there, I would go, it would go on. And it was like six minutes into like um, that. It was like, what, kill yourself or stop bitching about how fucked up the world is. Because a white awesome. person complaining that the world is fucked up is like me complaining that my asshole hurts because I'm using it as a purse. <laughs> I did it to myself, didn't I? A white person complaining that the world is fucked up is like a black person complaining there's too much fried chicken in the hood. Uh -huh. you know, they did it to their own damn self. And then that's the thing. Is your reaction is what the audience would do. That's where they would pull back. And I'm I'd a be terrible like, audience member. I don't go to comedy shows because I'm not the audience. It, but it happened needs. every single time. They would pull back there and I'd be like, white people kill yourself. Everyone laughs. I tag one played out fried chicken joke and you guys go, well, that's just racially insensitive now, isn't it? You know, and I'm tagging that played out fried chicken joke to illustrate that human misery is white people's fried chicken. And it just, <laughs> and it goes from there. And I have like, you know, people eating Obama's shit and drinking orphan tears. And it, it, it went, you know, deep. What's the average yeah. amount of time that you get usually for a set that, uh, I mean, feels comfortable. Obviously you have very long sets that you plan out, but not everyone's going to give you 45 minutes. Um, when you're headlining. Yeah. They do. They give you 45. 30 to 45. Right. That's great. You know, I mean, most of the time. Uh, a lot of shows, I'd be booked for 30 minutes and then end up running about an hour 20 because... No way. The, yeah. That's awesome. Because the crowd That's is with awesome. me. You know sure. what I mean? They, I'm killing and unless they have to stop the show, right on. they don't. I've been in Florida and I wish I where fucking Florida taped that it. In, um, God, Fort Worth, I think, or some shit. No, Lake Lake Worth. Lake Worth. Lake yeah, Worth, yeah. Florida. And I wish I had recorded the album that night. Hey, that show was fire. Man. Lake Worth. If you're nice. listening, if you're listening to your boy Johnny right now, if there was anybody was at said club. Hit What's him up. What's the club name? Uh, the Deranged. I don't remember. It would have. It was like walked out of like if if you gave Doug Stanhope a hit of acid and then went into his brain and saw the bar he was in, it would be that bar. Like, it was just dark and red and black and evil and everyone's chain smoking because you can still smoke inside in Florida because Florida's yep. civilized. <laughs> and just pounding tequila. Then the bar's in this big, like, donut. And there was a the bartender was black. And uh, when I was... He was dying laughing when I was like doing all this shit about how I have a white baby and um, I'm going to like well, cook it with coconut oil. When we recorded back in October, you were talking about your origins of being a musician and getting into comedy and how when you would play shows, you would just be bantering so much yes. that it got to a place where you just decided, fuck this, I'm just going to do comedy. Hmm. Since the last time you've come to talk to us about it, has that changed at all? Has that uh, improved? Has that uh, become more realized or has it just been more of the same uh, and just sort of doubling down on more uh, you know, ideas? 
Well, I don't really play music anymore. Too. Well, you don't play music anymore Hardly. at all. I whore out my blues for money. I mean, that's really... Like, I hate playing music live on stage. It's because my act would have had to evolve in order for it to stay relevant to me. But me alone with a guitar on stage, I've done that for six years. Yeah. And I would have gotten to the point of having a band at this point. Mm. Um, and I really, 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 really don't ever want to be in a band again. I'd rather shave off my eyebrows and like fucking like just Something stand in rainstorms. Yeah. Something tells me you work better on your own. I mean, I work fine in bands. It's just bands are like, it, it, listen, I, music, if it was going to happen for me, it would have happened. A lot of musicians are delusional and the saddest thing in the world is seeing that 50 year old fucking musician with his hair still slicked back and his beer guts leaning on the Les Paul and he still has the dream and you just want to walk up to him and put a bullet in his fucking brain. Hey, that guy from you Ice know? House had a really good hit. He's still making music, okay? It's like you got us crazy, baby. Oh god, you're Dude. making it worse. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, sorry, I, yeah, sorry. no. But for me, yeah, when I was touring as when I started as a blues act, like I quit rock and roll to be a Delta blues musician, and I quit the Delta blues to be a stand-up comedian, and that's mm. basically been the evolution. And it was none of it was by design it was all just by how life pushed me in these directions mm. but when i was doing the delta blues i would be in little towns that nobody knew me and i'd be playing really depressing music and i'd be bumming everyone out so if you're gonna Ooh. go to a silver lake again or right that was the name silver, of silver lake new mexico yeah, yeah if you're gonna go to a silver lake in uh wherever in uh the us of a you're gonna want to lift them up and you know excite them and not bring everybody down yeah in between the songs i tried to chipper it up and i right. realized i could make people laugh and then i'd like that laugh and then i tried making them laugh and then i realized i was writing jokes and then I realized that I liked the sound of their laugh better than I liked the sound of my music. And then I really started working on the bits in between the songs more to the point that I stopped writing songs and was just focused on the like two minutes in between each song. And then it got to the point where I was throwing my music career under the bus to practice stand-up because they'd book a Delta blues musician and I'd do like two songs and then put the guitar down and stand up and for 10 minutes talk about like fist-fucking midgets or something, you know? And they're like, that's not what we booked, you know? So I would not be, and that was paying a lot of money. Like I was making, like not like entertain, like celebrity money, but I'd be getting like $1,500 a gig. And on the road, that's right. not nothing, man. That carries you. And for me to have like thrown that cash away to not get paid to do stand up was the dumbest decision of my life. Do you, do you have? Do you uh, recall uh, seeing a lot of stand up comedy that really shaped you and influenced you when you were younger? Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Yeah. Or Doug Stanhope. I've discovered Stanhope through Hicks much later. Gotcha. Hicks, Hicks I was listening to bef way before I even wanted to do comedy. Yeah. Somebody gave me... I know, I remember how I did I was driving with my friend and I was going through his iPod. It was back when the old school iPods. And yeah. I was like, who's Bill Hicks? He's like, I think he's a comedian. I was like, ah, right, let's listen to it. And we had to pull over. We were both pissing ourselves laughing so nice. hard. Wait, but how I was, old were you? I was thinking it was like 25. Oh, wow. This was like 10 years ago, um, more. I just fell in love with him and listened to everything, but I had no intention of being a stand-up. Um, I yeah. just fell in love with Hicks. And then when mm. I started doing comedy, I remembered him, and I went back and kind of studied it. Were either of your parents in the creative arts or professional uh, performing arts? Yeah, my dad is a, a, a pretty... Um, 
what's the word accomplished filmmaker so it's my stepmother she's a huge visual artist and so. you grew so you grew up with like just so much art and so much film and so much inspiration i didn't grow up with brain it food, they food, they my dad didn't meet his current wife till he w i was 18 um and that and that's when her career exploded i mean my dad was always creative there were always artists around but they mm. were not professional artists you know but i was definitely exposed to, i mean my dad gave me a clockwork orange to watch when i was 10. That is a surreal <laughs> movie to watch when you're 10. Yeah, it That's was an insane. Opener hard, yeah. I was like, what? I had a lot of questions. After that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have had a lot of questions. <laughs> I think he had a date or something. It used to be a joke I would tell. It's like, if you have any problems with my act, forward them to my father. Because when I was 10, my dad had a hot date and he didn't have a babysitter. So he popped a clockwork orange into the VCR. Jeez, <laughs> Went about his evening. My God! Uh, and came back. When did you actually get to see? Wait, just just for my notification. <laughs> when you finished watching Clockwork Orange, when was the next time? Did you see your dad the next morning, or did you go to sleep having just watched Clockwork Orange? I don't remember. He he came back, and I was like, I, I was like, what the fuck was this? Yeah. You know, like I was young. I remember being really young. Yeah. Like and just like watching that rape scene and just mm -hmm. not knowing what I was watching at all. It was like with I me, knowing it was yeah. horrible, but. I remember I saw Black Rain. I think it was. It was an old uh, like like uh, action movie, but mm -hmm. it was like really graphic. And all I can remember is someone stabbing somebody in the hand with a knife. And like seeing that when I was six years old, totally traumatized oh, me. Oh no! What? No, I, I don't know. My dad showed me Terminator when I was eight, <sighs> and the sex and I and I and the most vivid memory of that um, was the how awkward I felt when the sex scene happened with Sarah Connor. Because I was already crazy sexual, and I was like, "What is going on? And my dad's here! Oh God!" But now, Clockwork Orange would have been worse. You got Much your worse. first erection to the Terminator? No, no, that I got my first. A lot, I man. got my first erection when I was five, and it was to a cartoon chicken. That's. Um, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> they're about equal. The yeah. chicken rockadoodle do. I don't know. Bugs Bunny when he dressed up as a girl always gave made my pants a little tight. Really? Still does, thinking about it. Nah, I want to go fuck um, something two-dimensional. Jessica Rabbit, anybody? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, of course. Duh. Oh, that song, man. I still hear that song. Which one? Which one? The, uh, why, don't do right? why don't you do right? Why don't you do right? Please don't ruin it for me in your voice. No, no. Don't uh, stop singing now. Johnny, Who framed you... Roger Rabbit? One of the classics. You were saying. For sure. No, I was just going to ask, Johnny, uh, when did you pick up a uh, guitar for the first time? Uh, I was 16. Did you have another instrument that you played before then? No, I picked up the guitar too. I with, uh, had a huge crush on this girl in high school and she played guitar. Um, she actually became one of the biggest jazz musicians in the world, Mary Halverson. Cool. She really? blew the fuck up. I couldn't believe it when I saw her name. Yeah, uh, we went to high school together and Hell she yeah. played guitar and I had a crush on her. So I thought if I played the guitar, she would like really? me. That's so I learned like two licks and I would just follow her around. It was really <laughs> just bad high school shit. You know, she was really, she let me down really gently. She was really, really nice about it. And then like, yeah, 15 years later, she's like on the cover of this magazine is like the premier jazz guitar player of our time. What kind of music were you playing when you began on the guitar I, I the Hendrix shit. I thought I was the reincarnation of Hendrix. I thought my hair proved that. Well, you, your afro is quite uh, uh, dramatic now, but it is. Uh, I imagine when you were younger, it was even more. It's always out. been kind of this length, except when I was on heroin, it got really long. That's mm. fair. Yeah.
makes uh, sense. It'll happen. Heroin makes your hair grow. Mm. How long ago was that? Because it sucks your dreams <laughs> out. It just pulls them into your hair. <laughs> yeah. I was like 10 years ago. I oh, think dear. I've been clean for 10 years. Good, nice. good. congratulations. Like yeah, no congrats. Sobriety is whatever. I, if you're on heroin, I strongly recommend you keep doing it. <laughs> Does it uh, make sense that you be performing? <laughs> Sobriety is hard, but still. Performing, be it music, be it comedy, do you find it easier or harder to do a set sober? Oh, it's much. I always thought it would be harder to be sober. It's so so much easier. Mm. It's so, especially with music because music is so physical that like I would be. I mean, I didn't. I stopped drinking alcohol. I just hit two years sober with hey. alcohol. God, no, I'm not, not clapping. He doesn't want it. Don't <laughs> do the. Don't give it to him, dude. You don't know what I've been doing the, uh, those two years. Okay, I've been every not a day has gone by I haven't tried to ferment my tears <laughs> and make oh, it into God, beer. Honey. Yeah, oh no, dear, beer moonshine, man, just fucking moonshine just straight, of tears. Straight, straight, straight I want to, I want to drink you. my own tears and go blind from it. Do you understand <laughs> where I'm at? I'm tired of this life, but. Oh, um, no, I mean, it's sobriety is better. The, the, I, you know, I tell people sobriety is amazing. Everything in your life is incredible. The only problem with it is you have to enjoy it all sober. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, but for some people, you know, like me, they're fucking addicts and they can't just do a little bit of something. And I didn't want to die because I'm mm. a chicken shit. I should have been braver and I shouldn't be sitting here talking to you, but when I'm you, a coward. So yeah. I got sober. And you're, do, yo, you're, you're doing a radio show. <laughs> this you're, is like anti AA right here. So this is Satan AA, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to play uh, Johnny, this. you did, you did the harder thing. <laughs> I'm shit faced in that clip, by the this way. Clip. Yes. This clip, yes, thank like, you, so thank you for better. the context. Yeah, so this is a, it's called circumcision and feminism. It is your first time doing a stand up set that was recorded in Chicago, and uh, this is a open and the open mic. I'll tell the story very quickly. I, when I decided to transition into stand up, I stopped my tour for thirty days, and I was like, I'm going to go to Chicago and do thirty mics in thirty days and see if I like this. I have a question for uh, the men in here. Uh, is anybody in here, any of the males, not circumcised? Not a one. Wow. All right. It's 2015. Why are we still hacking off the tips of little boys' tits? Anybody have any theories as to why this phallocentric, chauvinistic society is run on nothing but hostility and mistrust? <laughs> when every single male is brought into existence thusly. Hi, little Timmy. You're so innocent and vulnerable. Here's your first lesson in life. <laughs> it's a pain in the dick. <laughs> and when you get a little older, we gonna drag your happy ass to church. So you can learn that it's also a pain in the ass. That's a priest kid fuck joke, right? Couple of you, all right, cool. We're all on the trolley now. Here we go. Um, let's talk about another issue. Well, not that one. Feminism. Where are my feminists? All right, just to clarify, not not the women. Because if you're a female and you're not a feminist, then you're a fucking idiot. That's how that works. My straight male feminists. Any of them? One, two, three, 
Dude, that's fucking pathetic, man. What is it, the 1820s in here? I'm talking about gender equality, people. The very simple idea we should all be behind. You're a feminist. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. And don't answer ironically. Have you ever sucked a dick? Yeah. And you're not a feminist. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Feminist. <laughs> You're not a feminist unless you suck the dick. <laughs> that applies to everybody except for lesbians. Seriously, the lesbians do the hard work, man. I tried scissoring once and fuck! I cut myself! <laughs> No, but seriously, I love homosexuals, man, because they fuck and landfills stay the same size. We don't need more people, people. Stop making people. You hear me, people? Stop it with the fucking people making. Is it up? You're not a feminist if you haven't sucked a dick because sucking a dick is like a family reunion. You have to shut the fuck up. Eat what you're fed. Pray to God it ends early. <laughs> and eating pussies like a sushi dinner. You get what you pay for. Hey Chicago, I've been here for a month doing comedy. It's been amazing. I'm going back on the road. I love you so much. So bad. Aww. So bad, huh? Yeah. What 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 that about last, it? The last joke is just it just flat it went flat line. Well, it's oh. just comparing eating pussy to sushis. I I don't know. I would never do something like that now. You would never do something like that now. It's just it's. Uh, I mean, it's obvious I hadn't been doing stand up very long. But at the time, it, you uh, felt like it was worth a shot with this first time that you were going to record yourself to try out anything and see just what landed and what didn't. You you need to know what works. Well, I've been working on that set for a month. You had been working on that set for a I month. had been writing and just working on a whole bunch of different sets that month, and that was the culmination of Gotcha. It, you know? Okay. So, I mean, so you learned a shitload in a month. And yeah. That was your very last shit. Yeah. We have another clip, actually, uh, that was... This uh, is great. This, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I haven't watched this in forever, so, yeah. but I, I love... This is before I knew what the fuck stand-up was at all, and I was just... And yet, this was what, in 2015? Yeah, I was writing just this really weird, dark, twisted... Like, I don't even know if this is stand-up or if it's more performance. I, you'll see. It's bizarre. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Okay. I'm proud of this, but I threw it away because it doesn't work. This is it. It's dedicated to the woman who ripped my heart out of my chest and then put it in a blender with chives and vinegar and lime juice, turning it into a fine puree. She poured it down the toilet and then she pissed and shit on it. And then she flushed it. And she went around the house. And she dug up a septic tank. And attaching a small thermal nuclear device to said septic tank, she blew it to kingdom come. And gazing into the crater, reaching to the bowels of hell, she let her long leathery red bat wings unfurl 
and soared to the center of Hades like a harpy from the Aeneid. And arriving there, in the underworld, she stood before Lucifer, who was fully erect. His fiery brimstone cock of maggots and slime did reach to her third eye point, and beside this flaming flesh fountain was the last molecule of my happiness, my self-esteem, and my pride. And she took that molecule, and she shoved it up her own ass. She fell to her knees, and she did give Lucifer's flaming cock a big, deep, wet mouth hug. And laughing maniacally from her diaphragm, both of them, she did produce a 38 special, and she blew her own fucking brains out! Did you know exactly who you are? <laughs> Grandma. I love. Oh my god, that was great! And that was a great turn at the very end. That was such a good setup turn. I just, I, I really, I love the commitment to really just keeping it, the joke going on for as long as possible. Oh god! Yeah, I mean, if the, I, especially like yeah. the, just the screaming, like like every, you know, so much of that just read as this is my primal love scream about my jilted lover, who I am now talking about. I'm sorry, no. It's grandma. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's the oration. I think that really no, no, just did it for me. No, no, it was such a wonderful sell. It was such a wonderful sell. Commitment to the bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Dude. yeah. Was there anything in particular on the art tip, not necessarily political or anything in life that was affecting it that really inspired you to get down this dark path? Um, no, there was that actually, that bit is, I like that because that's very me it's very original i wasn't mm. thinking of anyone else that was kind of how when i first started doing stand-up because i was doing music and i had so much stage time i would write these really long elaborate bits you know and it was just i wanted to paint this i'm i'm a poet too like I, my first art was poetry so it's like the use of language and then like the character delivering it to this twist at the end like looking at it now after doing comedy for so many more years like I'm going a long way for that punchline. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that wouldn't work in a comedy club at all. Yeah. Like that worked because that was a so far show, and those like poor little like happy faced millennial twenty year olds were there to hear a bunch of hippies talk about you know their heart. So I fucking like uh, what's the word? Um, subverted it? Not subverted it. Uh, blindsided. 
ah. them with that, you know, and they but like, I would never do a bit like that now. We got more of Johnny Azari after this quick word from RFB. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stick around. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or a monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air, so please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Hey, welcome back. If you want to listen to any of our old episodes online, you can do so wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify or iTunes. We're also up on Podomatic and SoundCloud. If you go to our main profile page at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash LAR, at the bottom below our information, you should see the megaphone player where it will be very simple for you to uh, listen to all of our past episodes. Again, you are more than welcome to hit me up and complain if you haven't seen your episode up there, but I can assure you that I've done all that I can to update. There's so much episodes that we have up there. It's crazy. Our guest again this week is Johnny Azari, uh, who's uh, uh, sharing his truth with us, if you can call it that. I don't know. It's it, He's, he's coming I'm correct. Like, you're coming, like you're you're coming just, correct with you're us. You're just being truth. yourself, Johnny. You're just being yourself. No, I, I thought the postmodernists took everything over. There's no truth. There's no objectivity. <laughs> Nothing is real. We're you're, really going Pomo. A, We're really rolling Pomo right now. You're not a person. You're just a congregation of cells floating through the infinity of loneliness. <laughs> all right. All right, all right <laughs> self from the infinitist. Uh, <laughs> What what? Tell us about ventilator Av. Oh my God! I forgot about this. Uh, you Shh. What is this? What this is, this? is? I think I, one of the when I first got my Mbox, like I don't know, fucking twenty years ago, wherever that first Mbox came out. What's st- an Mbox? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I can't believe an Mbox is now fucking vintage. No, like, I. Oh I my. Wow, Johnny, no, this Johnny, is incredible. I'm, Johnny, I'm gonna be honest. I, M-box, I don't know what that an is. An Mbox is the originator, the very first thing that let people do what you're doing right now. It's the very first home recording apparatus. It was by Digi Design. Yeah, it had two what? inputs. It had two stereo ins, and it plugged into your computer. And wow, it was Pro I had, Tools. I had no idea what you were talking about. I had no idea. Yeah, it was the very about. first home recording Holy thing. Shit. It was like you know the the, the Avid. It was back in. <laughs> Like, I think uh, 2000, and it was, yeah, I got it like a year after the Twin Towers fell. Mm -hmm. So it was like 2002. And yeah, so this I did on an M-Box with some loop drums. Like, this is before everyone was doing everything at home. This was at the very genesis of that, and it was... 2007 uh, is when this This is probably 2002. Oh, okay. Like, way the fuck back. And um, It said it was modified in, in 07, but it's even older, which is even better. Yeah, I think it's even older than. Can 07. you see my chubby from the other side of the table? I am getting rock hard. For you the are. Old you are sort of. This is you're you going, sort of lifting the table with your cock right now. <laughs> you're going back to Jimi Hendrix meets Tom Waits, Johnny Azari, where I was obsessed with Tom Waits and Hendrix, and I tried to marry the two. I okay. am. I am the embodiment of Hendrix, and could not sing Azari. worth a damn. I suck at singing in this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> onward. Oh my god, I can't wait to hear this. 
thoughts of murder yesterday But I really don't care Cause ever since the girl I love went away I lost all need for prayer The highest day of the summer Johnny, I think I saw your face go through like an entire universe of emotions over the course of that song. Yeah, it's like it started like his face and then like it went around his the back of his head and like you saw an entire revolution happen within three in three quarters. I was minutes. just thinking about how much more pussy I used to get. <laughs> that's what it, that's what you thought of. Oh, that was the so first much image. Pussy. That's what hit you. Now there's so you. little. All right. So let's break bread here then. If we're going to be that unorthodox as I know that you are a big fan of Johnny Azari. <laughs> Do musicians get more pussy than comedians? Oh, so much more. That's why they're all fucking, all comics are married to like one like 
almost beauty. All right. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Radio Free Brooklyn do not reflect those of its staff or uh, talent. Yes, they um, do. Listener <laughs> discretion is for sure. I speak 100% for Radio Free Brooklyn. These are all of Radio Free Brooklyn's opinions. This disclaimer brought to you by Johnny Azari and Elon Danziger. Today, we're going to be sharing opinions across the Radio Free Brooklyn platform. Enjoy. Right. Opinions expressed here in the opinions of planet Earth. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> okay. It would, can be reached at would, one, two, three, Evergreen Terrace. Um, no, one eight hundred eat shit, man. It would seem that uh, you are not proud of that person you were. I'm. I'm not ashamed of him either. You know, it's just yeah. a, that's a completely different person. I don't recognize mm. that person. You know, if I saw that idiot now, I'd probably be roasting him. I'd yeah. be making fun of him. I mean, I used to dress like. I was in the New York Dolls. You know what I mean? I look like an idiot. Well, that's not okay. I, not, I, if, you, if you're not a fan of that style of dress, then I get I it. I was then. I'm I'm not. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's fun. When I see a 20-year-old walking around dressed completely flamboyantly with a guitar uh -huh. on their shoulder and they're like so absorbed in their own identity and their dreams, all I just feel sorry for them because I'm like, you have no idea how badly life is about to crush you. <laughs> the early 2000s was full of that though, wasn't it? Every the late generation 90s, is. Sure, you know, but like, you grew up in New York City in a scene, a music scene of which was incomplete and utter uh, like, gr like the balls were just like grabbed by all the indie rock luminaries. There was a lot. Yeah, it was the rise of the Strokes, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. But um, also, like, Interpol. you're in Chelsea. Interpol. But you're in Chelsea with your very successful artist father, your soon-to-be very successful artist mother. You have this exposure to this incredible world. I didn't give a shit about any of yeah, them. Yeah, right on. I just on. wanted to that was fucking very you. do cocaine, drink whiskey, play my guitar, and fuck bitches. And like, dude, That's all I cared dude, about. That That's why I was an idiot. And that fucking song absolutely reflects that, right? That absolutely struck... I mean, that struck me... Uh, that, that sounded... Like, if I was to imagine Johnny Azari when he was a high schooler in Chelsea, that, you know what I mean? Like, you were selling it. You were you could feel what, the love coming out of your voice. What, a misogynist? That too. I was. But you could feel <laughs> now I'm just a sober misogynist. Oh, you gotta evolve in your life. <laughs> Johnny, you're a sober misogynist with responsibilities now, man, and you're pulling them off. Tell us about- I just misogynize my wife now. That's, oh. <laughs> that's not true. We're polyamorous. If you're listening, if you're still listening to this and you're female, you probably want to fuck me at this point. Or just dox me, one or the other. I don't think there's much in the middle, so. <laughs> What's Bagel Blues about? Oh, this is wow! That was a turn. Yeah, he, well, he saw the direction I was going. <laughs> I brought up doxing or fucking. <laughs> and, uh, we will not be having that conversation in here. No, Elon Danziger, my career is not going anywhere. I don't give a fuck. I honestly, <laughs> some of us care. Some of us care about where our careers are going. Your yeah, career is not going anywhere. It's going nowhere. It's yeah, really no, none of our. It's that's staying why in this room. All, yes, so that's <laughs> why all of us are talking to Ladies each other. Ladies and gentlemen, the views on Radio Free Brooklyn expressed in this room are not necessarily the views. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it to you this way: if people actually listen to this, I'd be more cautious about what I was saying. So like this. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Here in the rec room, get riggedy riggedy rec son. Get riggedy riggedy rec son. You don't get a better. All right, so Moment like I said, that would be a great mic drop. That would be a great the, the, mic drop. The question remains: Bagel Blues is this the same or around the same time? Song. Yeah, this is around the same time, same M box. Uh, this is just me in an acoustic, um, really trying hard to be Tom Waits. Bagel Blues, 
might be enough, baby, to buy me. Lord, buy me a bagel, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. It's an actually an interesting story about that song. I after that I wrote that recording as old as fuck, and then when Occupy Wall Street broke out, I got heavily involved in it. Um, and I was on the Brooklyn Bridge when they arrested everybody, and I got arrested. And they released me. I was filming everything, mm -hmm. and uh, I was the only one filming. This is before um, really everyone had a smartphone. Like there, you had actual cameras, and nobody filmed the. They all took stills. Anyway, I had mm -hmm. footage. I got out of jail, and I ran home, and I remixed that song, and I changed some of the lyrics to make more sense for Occupy. Mm -hmm. Not much of it. And I re-sang it and remixed it and cut the video together, uploaded it, and sent it to Occupy, and they released it, and it went viral. Do you still consider yourself... And it's online. It's called Occupation Blues. Occupation Blues, and you yeah. can see that on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on my Holy other shit. YouTube channel that's for my music. Holy Do you shit. Do you consider yourself a fairly political person, outspoken political person, even when you're off uh, the stage? Yes, I'm, I'm. I'm. It's. It's just ingrained in me to just be. I mean, I'm the love child of revolutionaries. You're like, an Iranian American. Yeah, my mom and dad met in the underground, overthrowing the government. You know, like that's how they met, and you know that's what I was raised with. Like, I'm deeply political social would you person. say that you've gone like ebbs and flows and now you, you've reached a, a much more i mean in the kind of tumultuous time we're in a very uh i think a much more nuanced approach to looking at things or are you a lot even loud more loudly politically incorrect than you were before i identified as a liberal until the liberals went down a path that i was not down to go down how right you know that? or when would you the, can the you past pick a couple time? years they okay. like really since basically yeah. you know i mean you uh got elected and liberals decided to go on this like tribal like identity politics war mm. and to me that's never been the fight the fight has always been with the structures of power mm. and as much as they want to say that it's race and sex and all that it's not it's always been class and economic you know <clears throat> and you have people and it's i'm not a conspiracy nut it's a fact there's about a thousand people who own and operate the planet and that's who my fight is with and also the people, the conservatives, they're both the Republicans and Democrats. They're both guilty of the same thing. They never address that. And mm. they make war over dumbass things like abortion, immigration, and guns mm. and like race. Those things may be evils, but they are no longer the dominant evil. And I choose my energy to fight the dominant evil. You, know? you, you have a lot to say that can't fill one hour of radio be it online or uh, terrestrial <laughs> but True. if it is terrestrial uh I, I certainly hope you get a platform and uh whether in, in assuming that it is on the online spectrum uh i s assume that no holes should ever be barred when you are on the mic <laughs> i that's why i don't get much coverage and people don't invite me onto shit because i am what i am and i say what i think you know we appreciate you here to, when, when when it comes to that i think thanks for coming thank we, you we, to we, all we, three yeah. listeners by the way no it's 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 it's, it's just two now no just two. the lost one <laughs> i'm um, no. that girl the one girl was off to dox me uh, she was I mean, in it 
until she started you, doxing you. You're, you're always invited back, and the fact is, this is that your uh, honesty and brashness is uh, always appreciated, since it, it informs the listener that we really don't need uh, a, a specific type of guest here. We like to have the varied up uh, opinions, and uh, your opinion is just as appro- appreciated as theirs. I appreciate you guys for, you know, not being fucking, uh, what's the word? Closed minded. <laughs> what's, what's the word? Oh, right. Closed minded. Well, I had a lot of words come before that and they were all uh, a little. Keep too, it for uh, another strong. day. Keep it for another yeah. day. I just, I just do want to say to your listeners, if, if anybody is actually, I am going on tour. I have a ton of shows that kick off in like a week or two all over um, the eastern half of the country. And uh, if you have any uh, complaints or criticisms, you can email me at johnny at incelrules.com. <laughs> johnny, A-Z-A-R-I.com. Learn all about his... Johnny Azari. All about the stuff that's happening, what has happened, what is happening, what's going to happen. Check out his, check out his stand-up. He's got four bios there, okay? Music. He does have four bios there, but check it out, guys. Honestly, it's great shit. Uh, thank you uh, to Johnny Azari for being our guest this week on Lost and Rewound. A uh, reminder that if you want to stay up to date with all of RFB's new programming, upcoming RFB events, interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers on Schwag Schwag, and much more, you should sign up for the RFB newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. And finally, don't forget that there is the Radio Free Brooklyn Teen Squad, which is the after-school program for local teenagers designed to learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. If you're interested in participating or donating to this awesome program, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash teen squad. Remember, all your donations, as uh, said before, are tax-deductible to the full sticks that dot the law. You're hoodwinked, monkey. What? Yes, indeed, (laughs) on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll see you here next week for the Audio Time Capsule Show, known as Lost and Rewound, 3 to 4 p.m. every Thursday on Radio Free Brooklyn. stand-up comedy, too. There's no justice in the world. Why? No. No, John. There are plenty of dickless, ballless, mediocre, straight white men in comedy. We are overstocked.